Well, this morning, we are continuing on in our series called I Am. How many of you have been enjoying this series? I hope so. This has been uh, just a, a wonderful series for me. I've been really appreciating this. Next week, next Sunday is Palm Sunday. We are going to be having Pastor Larry come and speak about I am the truth, the way, and the life, and, uh, or I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I don't know if I still said that right. We know what I'm trying to say there. I just can't speak properly this morning. And so I'm very excited about that as well. Today we're talking about I am the vine. I am the vine. And any of you ever think about the purpose of life? What is the purpose of life? Why am I here? Um, How can I have uh, peace in this situation? Whatever. This is the perfect Sunday morning for you to be here and for those of you to be watching online. I maybe should introduce myself for maybe some of you uh, newcomers. Uh, Speaking of which, I know we have some more new people here this morning, so can we just give them a warm welcome as well? It is great to have visitors with us. And for those of you who might be watching for the first time online, my name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at the church, and I am just so blessed uh, to be able to be one of the pastors here. But I was thinking about this idea of I am the vine. And in fact, Jesus says, I am the true vine. We're going to see that in just a moment. If you want to open up your Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 15. If you have your Bible app on your phone, you can turn to that. That's primarily the scripture we'll be in in just a couple minutes here. I am the vine, or as Jesus says in John 15, verse 1, I am the true vine. And I was thinking about this idea of, well, sometimes we just wrestle, like, what what is my purpose here? Why am I here? The book of Ecclesiastes, which is just an incredible book in itself, in its theme, if if you've read it, you will be familiar with it. It often says repeatedly, life is what? Wow, some of you need to read Ecclesiastes this afternoon, okay? Life is meaningless. Life is meaningless. The the author, King Solomon, goes through all these things, and he'll say, having rich, having wealth, having drink and eat, having all these amazing, it's meaningless. And then he comes to the end in chapter 12, and he says this. He says, it's all meaningless except for this. The sole duty... The sole purpose of mankind is to fear God and keep his commandments. It's very interesting because we're going to see this theme repeated in this message this morning on I am the vine. See, I am the vine is all about staying connected. Staying connected. And we're going to read through these verses. We're going to read through uh, John chapter 15, verses 1 to 10, and then I'm going to come back and unpack those things. So, Rebecca, you can follow along with me here. Jesus says this. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that does not bear fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes and or he cleans, is the word in Greek, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me. Stay connected. Stay connected. As I also stay connected to you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must stay connected to the vine. 
Neither can you bear fruit unless you stay connected to me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you stay connected in me and I connected to you, you will bear much fruit. Do you ever just get sick and tired of your life and think, man, like, I don't bear any fruit. I don't see any goodness. I don't, there's, there's no joy. There's no happiness. I don't see good things happening. Stay connected in me, and if I stay connected to you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. John chapter 15, verse 6 to 7 goes on to say this. It says, if you do not stay connected in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you stay connected in me, in my words, stay connected to you, you can ask for whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. Verses 8 to 10 say this. It says, this is to my Father's glory that you would bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now stay connected in my love. If you keep my commands, you will stay connected in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. If I was to ask you right off the bat, what do you think the main point or the main theme for this morning would be? Wow, I wish I had prizes like youth group to give you. Some of you would have won a like $15 Tim Hortons card there or something like that. But I also have no budget. Just teasing, I have, I have a bit of a budget. You ever just get frustrated with a bad connection? <laughs> How much, let's see who's... Uh, Mary, Mary Spano, can I, can I pick on you for a moment? Tell me, or tell Charmaine, and she'll repeat it nice and loud for us, tell us about your first moments with a telephone. What was your first telephone like? Sure, wherever. I'm assuming it was like something that you cranked or whatever. Yes. There you go. And did you ever have like bad connections in that? Did you ever get on the phone with someone you weren't supposed to be? <laughs> she says, she says, oh yes. So for those <laughs> I might not get a chance to preach again here now that I got now that I got Mary going. Mary is ninety one years young. Woo! Right, Mary? And, uh, and what a blessing to our church family you are, Mary. But I think about this idea. How many of you remember dial-up internet? The kids are like, what is that? <laughs> dial-up internet was like if you wanted to, well, let's say download something, it would have taken you about a year and a half um, for a five-minute video of some kind. Staying connected, it's a huge frustration. We, we connect it to technology in this sense of having a bad connection can be extremely frustrating. It can be extremely difficult. But it's the same with our Christian life. 
our Christian life can be extremely frustrating in the sense of if we have a bad connection to God the Father or our relationship with Jesus Christ, our life becomes extremely frustrating. So we need to stay connected. John 15, verse 1, to just go back, and I'm going to start to unpack some of these verses. He says, I am the true vine. This is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine. He's not just a vine. He is the true vine. Remember last week, Charmaine shared, and she did such a, a beautiful job, and I always kind of cringe and get really nervous the Sunday after I follow Charmaine, because she's spoken about seven times in her life now, and she's uh, ten times the preacher I am. Um, and I've spoken probably hundreds of times, but she did a great job. Thank you, Charmaine. But Charmaine said last week, whenever you see truly, truly, or verily, verily in Scripture, it's announcing something. It's, it's, it's something to really pay attention to. And in verse 1 here in John 15, we see the same thing. We see Jesus say, I'm not just the vine, but I am the true vine. I'm the ultimate vine. I'm the vine that's full of life, full of truth. It's an absolute. Remember a few weeks ago I talked about an absolute. The simplest definition of an absolute is two plus two is four. It's unchangeable. No matter how much we want to change it, it's not changeable. And that's what we call in Christian faith an absolute truth. An absolute truth, just for a quick example, is that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. We believe that to be an absolute truth in our faith. It's, it's, it's crucial to us as Christ followers. And there's about seven of those things in Scripture. The triune God, the virgin birth, and I could go on with the other five, but I, I won't for the sake of time here. But Jesus is giving us this absolute, I am not just the vine, I'm the true vine. And then he goes on to say, my father is the gardener. I love the Greek word for gardener. It literally means farmer. I grew up on a farm. I love farming. I miss it so many times. I see tractors in the field and I say to Charmaine, I just, I gotta get to know some farmers so I can drive a tractor for a day or two. Build that into my sabbatical. That'd be cool. A week of farming. The actual real definition for it, if you want to even go further than that, is earth worker. That's how it translates, literally in the Greek, as earth worker. But he's the father, he's the gardener, he's the one in charge of the vineyard. So there's two absolute statements given in the first four words of John chapter 15, verse 1. I am, which we've talked about, I am is the representation, it's the new form, it's the New Testament form when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, I am the vine, I am the true vine, I am the life and resurrection, which we're going to talk about in two weeks on Easter Sunday. He's announcing and he's proclaiming that he's essentially the new God that would have shown up to Moses in the bush and said, when Moses said, who do I say who you are? And God says to him, say, I am. We often interpret this into Yahweh, but that's actually not the definition of Yahweh. I am is a separate definition, and it means before, currently, and after. I am the eternal God. I was here before the things began. I'm here presently with you, and I will be with you forever. 
So we have these two absolute statements in the first four words, I am, and then the true is represented as well. There's a, a great relationship that we should take note of here. And this relationship is showing us already in verse 1 a relationship between the Father and the Son. What I find interesting about this passage, and there's no connection per se, but I believe that the Holy Spirit was speaking to me this week as I was preparing this, and he was talking to me about and asked me this very specific question. He said, Andrew, have you lost your childlike faith? How many of you are familiar with this term as, as Christians? We've heard this. We've heard that we can't enter the kingdom of God unless we become like children. And Jesus says that in the gospel that the disciples are kind of arguing about how they get to heaven and who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom and this and that. And Jesus is like, whoa, time out, guys. You have completely lost your perspective on this. Unless you humble yourselves and become like little children, you have no place in the kingdom of God. See, when I was thinking about this idea of remaining in Christ and staying connected to Jesus in this amazing passage in John 15, I am the vine, I was thinking about when I was a young kid. And I don't know how many of others of you like to do this, but I, I loved to hold on to my mom or my dad's hand. Especially if I felt any kind of insecurity whatsoever. I know I could grab their hand right away. And I picture this with this idea of staying connected. We need to become like young children again. We need to have a reliance on God. We need to have a humility. We need to humble ourselves to say, you know what? <laughs> I need to grab the hand of the Father. And I need to stay connected. Verses go on to say this in verse 2, John 15, verse 2. He says, God the Father cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Now, whoa, <laughs> time out. Um, you're saying that Jesus needs to have some pruning done to himself, needs to have things actually cut off of him because they're not bearing fruit? Now, let's, let's get this right because this is very easily misinterpreted. Jesus is without sin. There is nothing that Jesus needs pruned and or cut off. What God the Father is talking about here is he's going to cut off the things that are the distraction to Jesus in terms of the people who are connected to him. So if I'm connected to the vine and I'm not doing something that I should be doing, then I'm what's being cut off. There's nothing inside of Jesus that God needs to cut off. That's, that's ridiculous. He's sinless. He's perfect. It's the things that are on the outside that are attached to him of the sinful world, including you and I at times. He goes on to say this, well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes or he cleans so that it'll be even more fruitful. Well, let's take a look at this idea of, of pruning and cleaning in the Bible in terms of the vine. Goes on to say he is the vine and we are the branches. I am the true vine, and the Father is the gardener. I know this seems simple, but we often get it confused. What, what the Scripture is doing here is it's already presenting us the order of command. 
It's God the Father, it's Jesus, and then it's us. See, sometimes we even get this mixed up. Sometimes we want to put ourselves in the position of either being Jesus and or God. And so they're just referencing, hey, don't forget the structure here. Don't forget the chain of command, so to speak. Sometimes we forget our role. Sometimes we think that we're the pruner of other people's lives. How many are married here? Husbands and wives. Turn to your husband and or wife right now and say, I'm sorry for the times I've tried to prune you. (laughs) It's not our job. Now, I want to be careful here. We can encourage each other and we can tell the truth to one another in love and a lot of grace as couples. Charmaine and I have been seeing a psychotherapist for a little bit now. And this has been really great. We've seen counselors in the past and so forth, but I've really enjoyed the psychotherapy part because it's really helping Charmaine. <laughs> I'm t- terrible joke. Oh my goodness. We need, we'll have to book another session immediately after this uh, message because of that joke. But we've been really enjoying it. And we've been finding out again that (laughs) there's a lot of times we just try to prune each other too much. It's the Holy Spirit and Jesus and the Father that do the pruning in our lives. What happens to a branch when it is deemed useless or not bearing any fruit is it it gets cut off. And we're going to look at that in just a moment. But pruning under cleaning is done with purpose. There's very specific purpose in it when the Holy Spirit and God and Jesus are pruning us as individuals. First of all, the purpose is done with love. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that the pruning process is done out of the heart of love. There are several reasons for pruning and or cleaning, and the reason the the word clean is used in Greek is because it was very often, vines are seasonal. And as the winter season would come along, the vines would droop and they would get attached to the ground. And they would want to even just start to to grow into the ground. And the gardener, the farmer, the vineyard guy would come along and he would pull up these vines and these branches again up off the ground and he would literally clean them underneath of them. It was part of the process, a part of the pruning process. It was to improve the quality of the plant. It's to improve the quality of its fruit. It's to improve the quality of its roots. What's amazing sometimes is how many of you have driven by a tree that's, you know, been recently pruned and pruned a lot? You've gone, wow, they should not have done that. That tree looks really bad right now. See, what we don't see sometimes on the outside of the pruning process of what's going on in the inside. See, when we prune and we tear things back like that and and we adjust them and they all suddenly start sometimes to kind of look ugly on the outside, the amount of strength and growth that's happening on the inside is amazing. It strengthens the roots incredibly, the process of pruning. Sometimes God prunes us to actually resist 
growth. Now that sounds odd, but sometimes we're trying to grow faster than we should. Ever been guilty of that? We just, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Jesus said, if you're faithful with the little things, I'll I'll give you some more. That's a part of our pruning process. There is pruning to be done, and pruning can certainly be painful, but it's a part of the health and the growth process. Let's continue on. John 15, verses 4 to 5 say this. It says, stay connected in me. I will stay connected in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must stay connected to the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you stay connected to me, Jesus. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. <laughs> There's a commercial, I think I mentioned this a couple years ago on the radio, that says if you, would have, if you would have been able to lose weight on your own, you would have done it already. It's a weight loss commercial. And there's a lot of truth in that commercial. Some people, very few people, can find growth on their own. There are some amazing people out there who can just commit to certain things and and they can get it done all by themselves. But those people are very, very few in number. And so staying connected is a reminder that we cannot do it on our own. As Christ followers, we don't do things alone. I think of the example in Acts chapter 4 verse 13. It says this, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, unschooled ordinary men. It says that the audience, the people watching, the people taking note of this were astonished. See, Peter and John couldn't have done that miraculous thing outside of being connected and staying connected to Jesus Christ. We cannot do it on our own. John 15, verse 6 to 7 says this, If you do not stay connected to me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Now this is amazing. As I was researching this past week, I was actually kind of blown away that there were a couple theologians out there that believe that this has not related to salvation at all and or eternity. I just want to say I I disagree. (laughs) I think this is an eternal perspective that Jesus is pointing out here. I, I just think it's too obvious to me. And you can do your own research. So I believe that Jesus is talking about eternity here. And I believe when he says that things are being thrown and picked up and thrown into the fire and burned, I believe that that is a direct disconnect from Christ. The reason I think that is because I think the scriptures support this all over the place. I think of Luke 6.46 when Jesus said to the crowd, he said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, yet you don't do what I tell you to do? (laughs) Who's guilty? Guilty. Jesus is saying, Andrew, why do you call me Lord? You don't do some of the things I ask you to do. Stop calling me Lord. That's ridiculous. How about Revelation 3, verses 15 to 16, where Jesus also talks about, you are lukewarm. I'd actually rather you weren't part of me at all because this this lukewarmness in you, this, 
this half-hearted faith you have, this half-hearted sacrifice you give me, (laughs) I'd rather puke you out of my mouth. That's what it literally says. So I believe that when Jesus says such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned, I believe that there is a serious and eternal disconnect happening at that point. Now, the good news is, he goes on to say this, if you stay connected in me, in my word, stay connected in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, some of you may be frustrated with that verse. You may be going, well, that's bunk. I've remained in Jesus. I've stayed connected to him a great deal in my life, and there have been some things that I've asked for that he's never done. I think it's important to recognize that this isn't a wish list for us. This is about the position of our heart. And the position of our heart as a Christ follower is one of the most difficult things we do when we ask Christ for things that he says he will give us. Because he himself, and you'll see this in a couple weeks, and you'll see this very specifically if you come to the Good Friday service, you're going to see a scene where we encourage you to imagine what it's like to be Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus himself, with the one who said, I could call down legions of angels, thousands and thousands of angels to help me out in any situation, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, himself gets down on his knees and in a prayer says, not my will, but yours be done. See, that's the position that our heart should be in in terms of when we're asking Christ for things. John 15, verses 8 to 10 says, This is to my Father's glory that you would bear much fruit. Well, what is this fruit? (laughs) What does it look like to bear fruit? Well, several things. Galatians 5, verse 22 to 23 lays it out very quick, very clearly when he says, Paul says, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 defines love. Love is fruit. Love is bearing with one another. Love is not counting the wrongs. One of the things that Charmaine and I again are learning in psychotherapy. What a great word, psychotherapy. It sounds like we're so dysfunctional. It's awesome. (laughs) We don't keep a record of wrongs. Yeah, but hon, you did this four years ago. You what? Hold on. We're talking about something from four years ago still? That's not what 1 Corinthians 13 says for us to do. It says we don't count those things. Jesus goes on to say that this should show up, this bearing of fruit, it should show up in our marriages. What's the fruit look like in your marriage? It should show up in our parenting. What does the fruit of your parenting look like? It should show up in our workplaces. What does the fruit of your life look like in your workplace? Jesus goes on to say in verse 10, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. See, if we understand what it means to be loved by Jesus, it isn't actually hard to stay connected. 
The problem is, is we fall out of love with Jesus. But if you don't fall out of love with him, it's not hard to actually stay connected. So he goes on to say, Jesus says, remain. Remain, stay connected to my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as if I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I'm going to invite the worship team up and we're going to sing one last song here in just a moment. What I saw ultimately in this passage of Scripture in John chapter 15 was three very specific things. And yeah, Rebecca, you have them up. Thank you. Staying connected, I see, does three, it does a lot more than three things, but three things that hopefully you'll remember and be able to take away this morning. The first thing is it births life. Staying connected, when we get connected to Jesus, it births life in us. It actually births salvation. It's our salvation story. It's the moment where we get to say, I'm not going to hell because of my broken relationship with Christ and God the Father. But instead, I actually have received new life. I have been born again is how we say it. If that's a question to you at all here this morning, if you've ever wrestled with, I, I don't actually know if I'm born again. I actually don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I'm connected to the vine, the true vine. If that's at all a question in your life and you'd be willing to discuss that with me and talk about that more with me, I would enter into that conversation in a moment. We don't even have to meet in person to do it. We can do it through email, Facebook, whatever. I, I would gladly meet with you in person, but if that's too scary to you and you just want to know more about it, I just really encourage you to talk to me about that. This past week, this past Thursday night, we had a guest all-star in terms of what it means to be connected. And that guest was Pastor Gord on a podcast that we did about being connected. Because being connected, staying connected, it builds fellowship. It builds fellowship. And then the third thing is it ultimately bears fruit. <laughs> If you're one of these person, like I said earlier, who's sitting there going, man, I, I don't know what kind of fruit there is in my life. If you're even asking yourself that question, there's a problem. If you're saying to yourself, I don't know if I'm bearing any fruit, that's probably a hint you're not. Now, I want to be careful and gracious with that because maybe you are and you just don't realize. I, I remember a girl in youth group one time, she came up to me and she said, we we're doing a, a series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that you can have by being a Christ follower is the gift of hospitality. And this girl said to me, she said, I don't have a clue what my gift is. I don't have a gift, Pastor. And I said, yeah, you do. You have the gift of hospitality. She's like, oh, yeah, I do. So you may be connected and not just realize it, but if you don't, get, get some help with that. Because we are commanded. It's not just optional. This is the difficult part of being a Christ follower. Now, I want to talk about the context here is this message on staying connected in the Bible in John chapter 15 was a direct message to Jesus' 12 disciples. This wasn't a group message. 
This wasn't the message for the crowds, the thousands of people that were following Jesus. This was a direct conversation between those who were saying, I am a follower of Christ. So if you this morning connect that way, if you say, I am a Christ follower, (laughs) there better be some fruit in your life. There better be some fruit in my life. There at least better be the desire to change some of my behavior. Hence psychotherapy. Get your crap together, Andrew, as a husband. Do a better job. I've gifted you to be better. Take up the challenge. Stay connected. See, when my life starts to go kind of down the wrong path, it's because I'm not connected. Stay connected.